welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Hey, Pastor Rob here, and we're starting a new series called Proximity, and we thought nothing would be better than to uh, have a little game of curling here at the Frogtown Curling Club with an Olympian, state champion, and uh, they're going to teach us how to do it, and then we're going to take it on and uh, have a little match here. Just eating some cake. This area of a curling rink is called the house. In order to score a point in curling, your stone has to be within a six-foot radius of the center of the house. All right, guys, I think we can take them. I think... uh, it looks like it's easy. It's, just, it's not that. My mom was totally got it's like, kidding me? I swept my garage before. So I got this. I got this. We'll take them on. That's what it's supposed to look like. Well, we just finished our match of curling, and uh, let's just say the Olympians just barely edged us out. But uh, here's the deal. I'm in the house. This is the house, and this is the button. And the whole game is won by the proximity of the button. And if you can have another one in close proximity to that one, you get another point. But see, this one breaks it up because it's closer than that one. Because in the game of curling, it's all about proximity, and in this series, It's all about proximity. 
All right, how many will admit? Yeah, come on, Frogtown Curling Club. Yes. How many will admit here and at all of our campuses that you've ever done curling before? Raise your hand, come on, admit it. Not that many. We don't have a campus far up north, uh, you know, up in Hibbing in the Iron Range. I guess they play it like crazy. Not so much here, but it was fun to do that because really in the game of curling, it's all about proximity. If you can be near the button, in the house, in proximity, that's where all the things are, the blessings are in being close proximity. And in this series, we're going to talk about proximity. Now, here's the thing that I want you to grab. This this series is going to take a while for us to develop this, and I want you to grab this one point right off the get-go in this teaching. I believe there's a blessing on God's people. I believe that because God is in us, because the Spirit of God is in us, and we'll explain that in a minute, that there is a blessing that rests on God's people, and those people that are in proximity to us are blessed because of that blessing. So grab hold of that. There is a blessing on you, and the people that are around you are blessed because the blessings of God rests on you. Now, here's how I first came to this realization. Uh, years ago, Becca and I, when we were starting the church, uh, we had an unfinished basement, and we had one bedroom that was finished, but we wanted to finish the bathroom, and we needed some spare money. And so we rented out that room. We went, rented it out to a uh, pilot with Northwest Airlines. And he loved renting from us, and we just used that money to pay for the finishing of the bathroom. And uh, he'd be flying, he'd stop in and just crash at the house. It was just a crash pad for him. But he said, every time I come here, I feel the blessings of God. I feel something here. I can't explain it. It's not on my house. It's not in my life. But when I walk through your door, literally, when I walk through your door, I feel something. I feel it. It's here. And he's like, I can't wait to get here. Now think about it. This guy had like a 10 by 12 room in our basement. And he couldn't wait to get in our house Because there was a blessing there. There was a peace that was there. There was something. And this man lived in some turmoil. But when he came into our house, he said it was as if all of that left him and the blessings were all over him. So I'm starting to think like, is there something here to this? And so I've been thinking about this for a long time and I'm finally teaching the church on this. And I believe it's time for us uh, to grab this as a church to understand the blessing of God is there. It's on our life. It is there for a reason. And I believe other people can feel it. I believe they can and they should feel it even if they don't know it. Last week we had Rob Hoskins here. And uh, he shared that amazing story about going into that children's uh, uh, psychological ward and going in there and bringing the Spirit of God in there for the very first time. And he said when they prayed for these children, they started to weep. And he said, you know what? They were feeling the presence of God. They finally came in proximity, in relationship to the kingdom of God, to their heavenly Father, and they felt that love for the first time, and it overwhelmed them, and they started to weep. There's something about the blessing of God and the proximity of being near someone that follows Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, maybe you've been at church, and you felt this. This is very real. You come into church. You're not used to the presence of God. You're not used to worship. And all of a sudden, you feel something. You feel something in worship. Many times we'll hear from people, they'll say, you know, I was in worship. I didn't know what was going on. I started to cry. You know, I don't usually cry, but I felt something. I I don't know how to explain it, but I feel something here. That's the presence of God. 
and you come into proximity with it and there's something that's happening. And I believe each of us as followers of Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of his, you bring the presence of God everywhere you go. Now, I'm gonna build this teaching. We're gonna look at the Old Testament. We're gonna look at the New Testament. I believe it's a principle for today and it's for all of us. But I believe in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus told his disciples this. He said, as you enter someone's home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. And so in their day and age, they believed that someone could go into someone's home and because they were representing God, they could say, may the peace of God rest on this house. And it was a blessing that they would speak over that house. Now, if the house was not receiving of it and they didn't want the things of God around their house, they could actually take it back. Now, I don't know how they did that. They just went like, you know, I don't know if they did that, you know, and took it back, you know, that they could take it back. And they'd say like, I take back that blessing. It's not gonna rest on you. And wherever they would go, the blessing of God would rest on that household. So get this, Jesus is telling them that there's a blessing that's there. Now, in Romans chapter eight, one, I'm just setting the groundwork for this. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So you gotta understand that when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit took up residence in you. The spirit of God is in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now dwelling in you. That is powerful stuff. That is powerful stuff. And I don't think we have a clue at how powerful the spirit of God is within us. And that's why I wanna teach on this. That's why I want you to understand the proximity blessing that is on you, that is in you, that goes out from you, that is on this church, that is on your home, that is in your neighborhood because the spirit of God is in you. There's something about this as I studied proximity and I studied the effects of people on each other even. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 22, verses 24 through 25, it says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one so easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. It's saying there's something about being around someone. So in the same way about being around somebody that's positive, that has the Spirit of God, it appears, uh, according to Scripture, with many different examples, but I've just chosen one, that bad can also get on you that there's something about a proximity, about being around someone. That's why teenagers, that's why your parents will say, you know, watch out for the people you hang out with. It'll get on you. You'll, you'll be affected by them. Something will affect you. It will act, you'll become like them. Matter of fact, I was uh, preaching at the Youth uh, Everyone Conference this weekend, and uh, I actually wore this uh, camouflage jacket there because camouflage is really big with the teenagers, and I needed every edge that I could get speaking to them, and they did like it. Many of them really wanted it from me, but they were, we were worshiping, and we're, we're in this moment, and, and I realized they're having an all-nighter, and I'm here, and it's, I, I've showered, and they haven't, and they were doing like this worship mosh pit, and I was having fun with it. I was jumping, you know, we're like, we're giving it all away, and we're jumping up and down, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm realizing the proximity around me is just like, <laughs> junior high boy and too much axe, if you know what I'm saying. It was like mixed together. And, and I was like, I do not want that on my jacket. So I jumped up on the stage and jumped up and down on the stage, okay? But bad can get on you. Yes. Bad can get on you. 
And it's not just bad smells. There is bad spirit that can get on you. You can be around the wrong things and it will get on you. It will just get on you. But you have the spirit of God dwelling in you. And when you go somewhere, the blessings of God go with you. And the proximity, the whole atmosphere around you changes. You may not even realize it. But it is changing because the Spirit of God is on you, in you, and there's something that's going on. So believe this. There's a blessing on God's people, and those in proximity to you, they get a blessing as well. Now, I went through and read the Bible with this in mind. And over the last year, I've been reading it. And I just can't tell you, every time I read a story, it's like proximity, proximity, proximity. I don't have enough time in this series to go through all the different stories. But I really want to point out to you something in Genesis Okay, I want to start with Genesis and point out the proximity, the blessing that rests on God's people and that affects other people around them. If you start reading the book of Genesis, you won't get very far. You get to the uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 18, and you'll see a man by the name of Noah. And you'll see that the world was evil, but somehow in the midst of evil, Noah finds favor in the eyes of God. Noah is commissioned to build an ark, and this is what the Bible says. It says, I will establish my covenant with you, Noah, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And they're all blessed because of Noah's relationship with God. Noah is blessed, and because they're related to him, he says, guess what? All the people in proximity to you that are in your family are all going to be saved when I destroy mankind, and it's a great day to be on a cruise, if you know what I'm saying. That's a great day. And he's saying, you're blessed. It's a great day to be married into the family of Noah, and it's the first time it just jumped out, the proximity. Noah finds favor, and because he has favor, his family's blessed. But it really goes to another level with a guy by the name of Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, before Abraham was called Abraham, he was called Abram. And it's the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now understand this. God says, Abraham, you're going to follow me. I'm going to be your God. You will follow me. And all the world will be blessed through you following me. Now you got to understand this. We read that in Genesis and think that's so cool. That happened there. That was Old Testament. That doesn't apply to us anymore. Let me tell you this right now. That applies to you right now. That was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he made a way so that all the nations of the world could be blessed and they could be in right relationship with God. And that promise is fulfilled. And if you don't believe me, Galatians chapter three talks about that. That all of us that believe in faith like Abraham are blessed and have a right relationship with God. So the blessings that are there can rest on us today. And the blessings that were there in proximity to Abraham, we need to start thinking like he did and realizing the blessings of God were on him and people around him were blessed just because they were near to him. Now, these blessings of God that are on our life, they're so strong that you can't contain it all. There's enough for you and there's enough to spill over on other people. There's enough for you and other people. And everywhere you go, it just oozes out of you. And let me just point this out using Abraham as the example. 
Abraham is a promise. He said, God says, I'm going to bless the whole world through you. All the nations are going to be blessed as you follow me. Eventually, Jesus comes along, and now the whole world is blessed through Jesus. But in that moment, he says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and everybody's going to, there's going to be blessings on you and oozing out of you onto the people around you. And the first person that gets in on this is a young man by the name of Lot. He's Abraham's nephew. And he gets in on the blessing. The promise is not for Lot. He's not part of it. But because he's related to Abraham, he's like, Abraham, I want to go with you. I want to go with you. I want to leave the people. I want to go with you. I want to stay with you. I want the blessings of God on me too. And we know that the blessings of God are on him because in Genesis 13, verses 5 and 6, it says, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great, and they were not able to stay together. Here's what's happening. God's blessing Abraham, Lot's near Abraham, and the blessings are so strong that the land can't even handle all the blessings because the people are like so blessed. Abraham's blessed, Lot's blessed. There's so much blessing going on that they're kind of like, God is blessing us so much. Lot, why don't you go one way and I'll go another way and, and we'll try to contain all these blessings that God has for us. There's so much blessing on your life. And again, you don't realize it, but it's in you, on you, through you. It affects everyone around you. Your neighbors are blessed because you're a follower of God. Your workplace is blessed because you're a follower of God. There's blessing. I believe our neighbors to this church are blessed because we get together and we're worshiping God and the presence of God is so strong here. If you're our neighbor, you're blessed because of that. And these blessings are just oozing out of us and I think you have to realize this. And I've come up with one way to illustrate it and it's probably not the best example because it's not culturally really good but it was the best thing I could come up with to help you understand this. I think the blessings of God are so strong on you and they ooze onto the other people, they don't even realize it. It's like secondhand smoke in our culture. And I know that's not a good example. You're like, secondhand smoke, boo, okay. But catch this, okay? And we're not for secondhand smoke, all right? We're opposed to secondhand smoke. But the blessings are so strong. How many remember the days before you know, we had restaurants where you couldn't smoke. You could actually go and they had smoking section and non-smoking section, and it didn't matter. If they had smoking in the restaurant, it like permeated onto you, okay? And it was on you. And you'd actually evaluate. You'd say like, well, there's smoking in the restaurant. I'll actually leave my jacket outside in the car because it grabs the smell. It would get in your hair. It would get on you. And the secondhand smoke would just, even if you weren't smoking, it got on you. Picture that in a good way. The blessings of God, even if you're not in the faith at all, because you're around people of God, the blessings of God will get on you. Now, I did some research on secondhand smoke, you know, and I, and I, I found out this. When a person inhales the smoke from a cigarette, they only take in 15%, and then they exhale 85%. So 85% is in the room, and the rest of us get to enjoy that. Okay, now uh, here's something that I was going to do in our church, but I thought it through and I thought you guys would, people would actually start choking. I actually was going to have somebody light up a cigarette in church, in all of our campuses at this moment, so that you would all smell that smoke. How many glad that I didn't do that? Yeah, okay, okay. I just thought we wouldn't do that, but get, can you picture it? Can you smell it? it 85% is out there, 15%. What if the blessings of God on your life 
are so strong that you're really only living in 15% of the blessing. And 85% is just flowing over to your neighbors and your coworkers, and you didn't even realize it. They don't even know it, but there's blessing upon blessing upon blessing oozing out. In secondhand smoke, if someone's in a room with you for two hours and they're smoking, that's equal to you smoking four cigarettes. It's like you're getting it in you because you're around them. What if somebody's around you and they're around you for two hours and they don't even realize it, but it's like four days of Bible reading or something, you know, and it's blessing them and it's oozing on them and they don't even realize it, but it's oozing out of you. The blessings of God are so strong on your life that it's pouring out of you and everywhere you go, the blessing of God is there. I think you need to walk taller. I think you need to be stronger. I think you need to be more confident. I think you need to understand who you are in Christ, that you bring a blessing of God everywhere you go. The blessing of God is so strong that as I looked at this in Genesis, Lot, who is getting secondhand smoke blessing, even he carries with him a blessing that is so strong it saves a city. Lot lives in a city called Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, he can't save that city because it's so wicked. And the angels snatch him out of there and they say, you need to leave. You need to go to the mountains. You need to flee. And Lot's like, we're tired. We can't make it. I can't do it. I can't do, we can't make it to the mountains. You know, there's this little town, Zor. Can we just go to this town of Zor? And, and can we just be safe in the town of Zor? And so the angels are like, okay. We'll save the town of Zor. You make it to Zor, and we will spare Zor. Think about it. The people of Zor didn't even realize it. They were going to be crispy critters, <laughs> except Lot and his daughters and his wife couldn't make it to the mountains, and so they're like, we're going to go to Zor. And the secondhand blessing of God is so strong that the city of Zor is spared because they choose to reside there. The blessing of God is strong on you. You don't realize it is so strong on you. You've got to grab hold of this. In Genesis chapter 30, we see a man by the name of Jacob. Again, remember, I'm reading the Bible and I'm seeing blessing, 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 proximity. The people of God carry with them a blessing everywhere they go. In Genesis chapter 30, verses 29 and 30, Jacob is talking to his father-in-law, Laban, and he says to him, you know how I've worked for you and how your livestock has fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I've been. Jacob is saying, I I serve a God that blesses me, and everywhere I go, I've been blessed, and I've been serving you, and you've been getting the blessings of God just because I'm working for you. Now, you don't understand this. You don't grab it all the way, but your workplace is blessed because the Spirit of God is in you, and you are there. And everywhere you go, you carry the blessing of God with you and the favor of God with you. It is there. It is real, whether you believe it or not. That pilot could feel it. Other people can feel it. Laban could acknowledge it, and others could. My dad understood this. My dad understood this. And as I'm studying this, I'm realizing my dad understood that he was blessed of God. And as a child of God, everywhere he went, he carried with him the blessing. And he worked for a Cadillac dealership in the 70s and in the 80s. And in the 70s and 80s, how many know Cadillacs were not like the car you wanted to sell? I mean, there were gas lines and there were, everything was like, go for the best miles per gallon. And Cadillacs were like as big as barges. You know what I'm talking about? 
And it was like doomed to Cadillac dealerships. Except for my dad was like, you know what? I carry with me the favor of God. I have a blessing of God on my life. And everywhere I go, I believe the blessing of God oozes out on, from me. And there's enough for me, my house, the place I work. And so he used to walk through the dealership. And he used to lay hands on the morning before anybody else got there. Like not in the middle of the day. But before anybody else got there, he'd get there early. And he'd go past those big old barge Cadillacs. And he'd say, God, the favor is on me. And I pray your favor on these cars. I pray that they'd sell. I pray that we could make it. And while other dealerships were closing down, their dealership kept thriving and moving forward. Matter of fact, when my dad retired, the owner of the dealership said this. He said, I believe Bob has brought a blessing to this dealership. We are going to miss the blessing that Bob has brought to this dealership because there was something about him. When he was here, there was a blessing, there was a peace, there was a favor on this dealership. And Bob, we thank you. you we feel that we got through the 70s and the 80s because the hand of God was on you. Think about that. Somebody standing up and saying, we understand we're blessed because you're part of this workplace. That should be the norm. That should be the norm. I would love it if Christians understood the blessing of God and were the best workers and the best blessers of the workplace that people would be like in the interview process trying to figure out if you're a Christian, like trying to figure out like, do you want to pray or anything? I mean, just wishing, <laughs> wanting more blessing on their life. We should be like that. Jacob had it. My dad had it. We have it. Years ago, there was the the prayer of Jabez. How many remember the prayer of Jabez? Remember that? And you say, God, bless me. Increase my territory. Bless it. Here's something, though, that was a problem. People started saying, I just want the blessings. I don't want the blesser. Because Laban did that to Jacob. He understands that God is blessing Jacob, and he actually uses divination, and he, and he, and he understands through uh, spiritual things that he's using that Jacob is blessed, and he only wants the blessings. He doesn't want the God of the blessing. He only wants the blessing. And I know there were business people that were like, increase my territory, bless me. And I'm like, well, do you want the blesser? No, I just want the blessings. That's not the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to have these blessings on us, in us, through us, oozing out so that other people want to be drawn to our Heavenly Father. They want to find relationship in Jesus Christ. You're blessed to be a blessing. The 15% you keep is for you to be blessed, but it's so that you can bless others. And 85% oozing out of you going to other people so that they can know who Jesus Christ is. Now, the blessing doesn't end there. As I'm reading this, I'm understanding. Joseph gives us a great example. And I don't have time to go through this, but I'll just quote it for you. Joseph was sold into slavery. And the Bible tells us that when he's in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's blessed. Potiphar's blessed. He realizes the slave that I bought Fortunate me, the slave that I bought apparently has the favor of God on him and my household is blessed. I don't even worry about anything that's going on because my house is prospering because I happened to buy the right slave. The blessing of God was there. But then through the uh, turn of events, Potiphar's wife makes a pass at Joseph. Joseph doesn't go for it. He gets thrown in jail, wrongfully accused. While he's in jail, you gotta hear this, Genesis 39 tells us that while he's in jail, he's blessed. And the favor of God is there in the jail cell, and he's blessed. And the jailer realizes this, and he said, obviously there's something with this prisoner. 
This guy is blessed. There's a favor on him. I'm putting him in charge of everything because everything this guy touches is blessed. And I want that blessing on me. He's a smart jailer. So he says, you're in charge of the prison. Go ahead and run the place. And the Bible tells us that the blessing of God, the favor of God was on Joseph in the prison. Now listen, I think that was put in there for a reason to help us to understand this. No matter where you are, the blessings of God are real. I don't care if you're in the king's palace or in the prison, the blessing of God is there. And people can see it, feel it, they know it. And, and you may not see the results of it, but spiritually they are aware of it. And I guarantee you, the world is taking notice. And you say, well, I'm down and out. But they look at you and they go, how can you be so happy and down and out? How can you still have peace in your home and be down and out? How can you be in the worst of situations and the peace of God, the presence of God, the blessing is on you? I wish I had what you had. They can see it. It's there whether you're at the top or at the bottom. And I believe Joseph shows us that. Now, there's one more thing. We don't have time to go into all this. We're barely going to get out of Genesis. We're going to jump into Exodus, okay? We're going to barely get into Exodus, and I don't have time to even develop this all the way. But in Exodus, I want to point this out. God's blessing was still on his children, even when they were in slavery. And he was saying, I did not create you to be slaves, and I have a blessing on you, and I'm going to take care of you. And in order to get God's chosen people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, he sends 10 plagues on Egypt. Now, I want you to understand this. When the 10 plagues were sent on the Egyptians, we know that four specifically, the Bible tells us, did not fall on the Israelites at all. We know that out of the 10 plagues, God's like, I'm going to send plagues. I'm going to get my children out of Egypt. They will not be slaves. They're going to be set free, and I'm going to send these plagues on you. He sends 10 plagues and we know that there were four of them, the flies, the livestock, the hail, and the darkness that the Bible says did not rest on God's people. He said there is a blessing in the land they live in. There's a blessing on them, and those bad things are not even to come on them. So you can imagine the Egyptians, they're like, okay, darkness over here in Egypt. I have to have a candle or a lamp. I step one foot into Goshen, which is the land where God's people live, Light, no candle needed. Darkness, light. You'd have to think, there is a blessing over there, and I'm not living in it. I'm not living in it. There is a blessing over there, and I'm telling you this right now. God's blessing is on you, and people can see it. Ten plagues, four that had nothing, didn't go on God's people at all. We know that from the scriptures, and there's one more. There's one more that I've just got to take a moment to develop. The angel of death was the final plague that was put on the people. The angel of death. And here's something about proximity. God tells his people through Moses, he said, you're going to sacrifice a lamb, and I want you to take the blood, and I want you to put it on the doorpost, over the top and on the side of your door, and then I want you to go in the house. And when you're in the house, and you're in proximity, and you're covered by the blood, you're going to be safe. You're going to be safe. If you're outside the covering, you're not safe. If you're inside, if you're in proximity, covered by the blood, you're safe. Everybody inside, safe. Everybody outside, vulnerable. Now, that was symbolic of Jesus Christ. That was symbolic of the lamb that would be sacrificed. Jesus Christ was called the lamb of God. And that blood that poured down the cross 
covers your sins. And when you are in Christ, you are covered. You are in proximity. The only thing that can give you the ultimate blessing. Everything else, all the other blessings that are there are just there to get you in the house where the blood has been applied to get you to the cross where Jesus Christ forgives you of your sins. And that's where the ultimate blessing lies. Now, here's the thing you've got to catch. There are blessings, 85% that are spilling out to other people. But the one thing every one of us has to realize, we individually have to come into the house. We individually have to get the blessing of the cross. You don't get it by osmosis. You may be coming to church and say your family are believers. That's good enough. You know, sometimes I'll meet people and I'll tell them what I do for a living. I'll say, you know, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, my cousin's a pastor. You know, I think I'm getting in because of that. Like, you know, we got a relative, you know, we're getting in, you know. It doesn't work that way. You get in the house. You get in the house. You get under the covering of Jesus Christ. And that blood that has been uh, spilling down that cross of Jesus Christ was there to cover you and give you the ultimate blessing so then everywhere you go, you bring that blessing to a world that needs to come face-to-face with that blessing. So here and at all of our campuses, we're going to have an opportunity to give our lives to Jesus Christ because that's the ultimate thing. The biggest proximity blessing you need to have is get into the house, get into knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so that that can be applied to you and you can understand all the other blessings of proximity that we're going to talk about. We're going to look at the book of Acts. We're going to look at other blessings, people that said, I want that blessing for myself. But right now here and at all of our campuses, there's an opportunity to give our life to Jesus Christ. This is the opportunity to get the ultimate blessing to come in proximity of saying, Jesus, you're my Lord and you're my Savior. In the house, blessing, safety, protection. Outside, separation, death. But Jesus says anyone who wants can get in on this blessing. You can know the blesser. You can be in on this blessing. And we close out this service with an opportunity for you to know the blesser, to know Jesus Christ. Could you bow your heads and close your eyes with me right now? It's all come down to this. All the blessings of God are there on us, in us, oozing out of us so we can help people to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This church exists and we live in favor and blessing of God. Whether we're in the palace or the prison, whether we're living on the top or on the bottom, we have the peace of God, the blessings of God. It it has nothing to do with money. It has to do with a peace and a joy and a hope and and a love and a faith that just oozes in us, over us, all around us. And that blessing can be yours if you give your life to Jesus Christ. It is not good enough that your relatives know Jesus. You have to say, I get into the house. I get into proximity of the cross of Jesus Christ. I receive him as my Lord and Savior. The Bible says your sins have separated you from God and the sins need to be forgiven. The sins bring death. But Jesus Christ made a way for you to come in proximity to God the Father and to have forgiveness of sins and to know him as Lord and Savior. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask those that want to be included in this closing prayer for them to raise their hand and look up at me. I will acknowledge that. Then you can put it down. And then we will pray a closing prayer with everyone that did this. But if that's you, you're saying, Pastor Rob, I want in. I want in. I've I've been experiencing the blessing of God. I've been near the things of God, but I haven't grabbed hold of the blesser. I want in. Would you raise your hand and lift up your eyes and look at me and I'll acknowledge that. Yes, I come into agreement, young man. Yes. Both of you right there, I come into agreement. Yes, and yes, and yes, four, five, six, seven people in that section. Are there others? I, I want to make eye contact. Yes, I see your hands. Yes, you're waving. Yes, and in the back, 
I see your hand. Yes, are there others? You'd say, I'm in. This is my moment. I'm not just going to have the proximity blessing. I want in all the way. Yes, I see your hand. Are there others? Yes, in the front. Yes, this is your moment. Yes, in the back there and in the front and in the back. Another one. There's hands going up all over. Yes, behind that pole. I see you. This is God's moment. Yes, yes, I see you. This is what it's all about. Those of us that know Jesus, that have God in us, oozing out of us, it's all about leading people to an authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. You get in the house, you get in the blessing that the cross of Jesus Christ paid for. You can put your hands down, and I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray that you will ask Jesus into your heart. And the Bible says if you believe this prayer, if you confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart, Jesus will forgive you. It's very simple, but it's a step of faith that you do now, receiving the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask that the people around you would just pray it out loud with you as a form of encouragement. Let's pray this. Dear Lord Jesus, I am sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong. I believe that you died for me and paid the price so that I could be forgiven. And I receive that forgiveness. I turn from the way I used to live. And I live for you now. Pledging to live for you for the rest of my life. Give me the strength to live for you. So God, I thank you for those that prayed that very, very, very simple prayer. They admitted that they sinned, that that separated them from you. They believed that you died on the cross, that you rose again from the dead. And now they're confessing you as Lord and Savior. They want to live for you. They want the Spirit of God to be in them, and that's exactly what has happened. Right now, the same Spirit that raised you from the dead now is in them. They're forgiven, cleansed, made new because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. We thank you that they don't have to be around the blessings of God, but the blessings of God are in them. And everywhere they go now, anyone in proximity to them will be blessed because the Spirit of God is in them, oozing out of them. And we thank you for this new life in Jesus Christ and give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.